Turn with me, if you would, this morning to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. I'm going to continue on with what I began a couple of weeks ago concerning partnering with the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, what's interesting to note is that when Jesus, before he descended, led his disciples or those that were with him at the time, led them outside of Jerusalem, you can see in John 20. And the Bible says that Jesus spoke to them and he breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Some of the rabbinical writings in the early, the rabbis, and even written in the mitzvah, which is the commentary that rabbis use, which isn't necessarily the Torah, but they firmly believe that when Jesus did that, it was a doing something very Jewish that would happen to a father and son, to his family, and he would just breathe on them. Sounds like kind of a charismatic thing, maybe too. But uh, when Jesus breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, in the original thinking of Jewish culture, it would have been, receive the name of my father. It is in many ways like a father's blessing over a family. And Jesus was saying as they came into the earth to reveal the heart of the father. Everything Jesus did pointed back to the father. Philip asked a very legitimate question when he asked Jesus, show us the father. And Jesus said to him, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The question was, if I can know your father, then I can know the destiny of where you're going to lead us. He wasn't just saying, hey, I want to know your pedigree, what gives you the right, your lineage to say and do what you're doing. And so Jesus pointed them, and he goes on even in John 14, John 14, John 15, and John 16 primarily talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus records or John records to them. And he said in John 14, in my father's house are many, not mansions is not the best translated, but places or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. In other words, I've declared this is what I'm doing. And the next weeks ahead, we'll be talking about really what Jesus was talking about was the Jewish wedding. If you, if you translated the scripture all the way through, you'd find it through the eyes of a Jewish culture. It's all about a wedding. And he wanted to consummate it with the wedding, wedding of the Lamb or the wedding of the Bride of Christ. So when Jesus gave to them the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then we find in Acts chapter 2, it was manifested. There are many times when God, through his word, will say something to us and it will, first of all, be manifested. If there was someone here that was a billionaire, you wouldn't have known it because they may not dress like whatever a billionaire would dress like, whatever a millionaire looked like. So you just say, well, there may be one here. I don't know. But if the billionaire got up and started handing out thousands of dollars around, passing it around, then that means the billionaire just manifested himself. He made known himself by what he does. Not that a billionaire would do that. In the same way that Jesus can be among us, he can be around us, but then when it starts manifesting, is something that changes and is transformative. Because they would come to Jesus, even Nicodemus said, we know that you have been sent from God because no one could do what you do without God himself. You've just manifested yourself, made known, unveiled who you are. You're no longer a hiding. You're no longer a secret. Before that time, before the first miracles, Jesus would tell them, 
before he did his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. But after that, even he's told his mother, said, my time's not yet. There's a time for me to manifest, my time's not yet. But she pulled on him in such a way that Jesus said, what, my time's not yet, what have I got to do? And she turned to the, to the servant and says, whatever he says, you do it. In other words, I'm not going to take no as an answer. She pulled on him to now. There's something about that I believe that, that we can pull on the presence of God and believe God that moves something from maybe in the future that we have set way off in the future, one of these days, one of these times. But the Bible says now faith is. Now, right now. That he's present to heal. Well, one of these days he's going to heal, heal me. The Bible said, and the Spirit of the Lord was there present to heal. So when we recognize his present presence, his presence is present, and he's looking for opportunity to unveil himself and to show himself who he is, then we need to understand how to look for him and what does it look like and how do we cooperate with the presence of God. So it's not just by something we see, but how do we recognize when he's operating there? It's much easier in an environment like this morning, we're all worshiping, you can sense, you can you be looking at for, for the Holy Spirit to move and touching people. But when we carry the same essence and presence of the Lord in daily life, whether you're in the schoolroom, the classroom, the boardroom, or just plain old Walmart, is that he's present with you to heal. He's present with you to deliver. He's present with you to manifest himself. So when we recognize that Jesus even told them, says, don't, don't share this with anybody, although you can't keep a secret like that. And so yet it began to manifest because he knew there was a timing and yet there was a promise in the Old Testament concerning what Messiah would do. Some of them had their mind made up. This is what Messiah would do when he comes. He's going to come riding like it on a, as a soldier would, coming in Jerusalem, kick out the Roman occupation, and that he would deliver them because of the oppression that they felt so much under that Roman occupation. They were looking for Messiah to come one way, and he came another. He didn't, the Bible even describes himself, I came not to what do what except to serve. I've come to serve. He came looking in a different direction. So he showed us the power of the Holy Spirit many times is manifested when we are at the point of being weak, he becomes strong. When the point that we feel like we're so vulnerable, we have nothing to give, he shows himself and unveils himself in a greater way that we are. I don't know every interpretation in scripture because we could, every one of us look at and say, well, I see something different. I see something different. And I, and I say, well, then then your difference is wrong, my difference is right. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to pull something out of it for you, to take something out of that. When you eat meat, there is whatever nutrients you need, you'll get it out of it, and whatever you don't, you'll just eliminate it. Hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you individually and allow him to impart to you the spiritual nutrients that you need for the days ahead. We're coming under time, but we understand the Holy Spirit says we're sealed under the day of promise. We need the Holy Spirit in the last days. We don't need just more scholars telling us what to think. We need the teacher that was there in the beginning, helping us to understand and discern, rightly discerning the word of truth. 
what about this? What about that? I don't know. I don't know. All I know he does, and I'm trusting him. It's on a need-to-know basis. What I need to know, I'll know. And what I don't, don't need to know, and I don't need to know. Easy, easy, right? I love that, taking the pressure off. What's God doing? Well, I know what he's doing in me. What's he doing in the world? I don't know. Where, I don't, not on the other side of the world. There are some parts of the world that they're absolutely convinced, even 10, 20 years ago, they are in the middle of absolute persecution. If you lived in Somalia and didn't know if you were going to live and die that day, you were in persecution. It's relevant to what we believe. So when we look at whatsoever a person thinks in his heart, so they become. So he's transforming how we think from the inside out. Daniel lived in a in an environment in Babylon that was very pagan, very much resistant to what his practice had been growing up as a young boy when, when uh, they felt the, when they came in, the Chaldeans took captive Jerusalem and several of the people, a lot of people were taken captives and they realized that there was an excellent spirit on Daniel. There was something that stood out beyond what was natural. And as that began to stand out, there was a manifestation, if you will, through the giftings that caused Daniel to be brought to a place of influence. What I want to share this morning is the Holy Spirit is in us, not just to bring comfort to us. Praise God for that. He's not there just so I can have a prayer language. Thank God for that, that we have a prayer partner. But he's also inside of us for us to have light and salt and have influence in such a way. Most of the time in Scripture, the word wealth is translated as the word influence, not nickels and dimes, money, and that kind of thing. When we get stuck on just finance and pros- as a prosperity, that we open ourselves up to the spirit of mammon, the spirit that is, hangs on to that, that, that gives that identity and gives control of that. But the influence he calls us to is to yield ourselves to the greater one inside of us, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to go one step farther as to us recognizing that he's within us. We are a house for the Holy Spirit, but we're not just co-laboring with him. We're partnership in, with him, but inside out. How do I recognize the Holy Spirit within me when everything on the outside, the natural senses, is screaming and raving and wanting my attention from advertisers to, to people and the culture and everything, think like we think. And if we don't think like they think, then somehow or another we're excluded, we're canceled, we're cut out, we're shoved out. But when you, the greatest thing to think about is having the mind of Christ, there is a culture in the kingdom of God. And the culture in the kingdom of God triumphs over all of the other cultures and all of the changes and I've been in a lot of different cultures around the world that speak different languages and they do certain things and how they greet one another and and what they consider valuable and all that but when we understand the kingdom of God and the culture that's in the kingdom of God we're now coming in to understanding how to speak the language of the of the king now I was a couple of things that I want us to understand with the Holy Spirit Number one is, he wants to express through us. John 4 says, talking to the woman at the well, says, now the time is. When is that time? Jesus saying, right now. Before, you always worshipped. He was talking to the, the Samaritans. 
You, you went into a mountain in Samaria and you believed that you had to go up to that particular mountain, Gerizim, and you couldn't worship unless you got there. But then the Jews believed Mount Zion was the place they had to go for worship. It was a rites of passage to get there. They were looking for all the external ways to come into a point of worshiping the Lord. And God, God accepted their obedience at that point. But Jesus is now is. When that changed? When he showed up. When the king of the kingdom shows up, all other cultures and ways of doing something begin to bow to him. And Jesus saying, now the time is. The true, which means aletheia, manifested reality. In other words, the worshipers are to manifest. Not just to think about it, but to manifest. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Both of those, meaning the Holy Spirit, wants to express love, adoration, obedience, thanksgiving, all of those expressions is wanting to express through us. So the Holy Spirit not only prays through us, but he wants to express through us how we should feel about the Father. So worship was never to be something as a spectator thing that we watched at, and all oh, that sounded good. Leah hit all the right notes. She sang right the note. I mean, I wouldn't know one way or the other, but I think she did okay. I mean, I can't, I can't hear. <laughs> she did. <laughs> so that we had a good worship service. Well, what, what we, the Holy Spirit would say what was good is that you allowed him out of your innermost being begin to say, worthy, worthy. There's something about the name Jesus. There's none greater than him. He has taken, taken our sin. He has overcome the enemy. I mean, we just sang and talked about the greatness of God. And when we do that, he wants to unveil himself. But when we spend most of our time telling God how bad it is, and how bad things are, and what I'm not, and what I don't get, and how come, and who did it, and why they did it, then the fact is we're not moving past this world into the glory of God. Number one, the Holy Spirit wants to express himself in us. We're, we're poured into the power of the Holy Spirit that led us to Christ. The Holy Spirit is resident inside of us. And the second thing is he wants to explain what Jesus said. He expresses himself and he wants to explain what Jesus said. John 14, Jesus said, when he comes, he'll not only be with you, but he'll be in you. And then later on in John, the chapter over, he said, he will not only speak of, he will not speak of himself, but he will take everything that I have given and bring it to your remembrance. He said, I want to explain to you why Jesus did what he did and why Jesus is wanting to do it now through you. He expresses himself, and then he explains Jesus as much as we can understand, as much as our mind will allow that to happen. And then thirdly is he wants to execute, carry out the word of God. Acts chapter 2, on that day he came, set upon them, tongues of fire, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, go wait for Wait for the promise of the Father who will empower you with the Holy Spirit. He was there in the very beginning of creation. God said, the Holy Spirit came and executed, brooded over and carried out what the Word said. 
So we recognize the Holy Spirit is not for me or you to order around as some kind of celestial butler. He is held to the word of God. As much as he is sent to minister through us, he is held to the Trinity, he's held to the word of God. He will take of mine, Jesus, because the Bible says Jesus is the word. He takes of his and gives it to us and brings, explains, expresses, and wants to bring it through us. So the Holy Spirit is so much part of our lives, we cannot separate it and saying, well, if I ever need you, I know where you are. We also know that he convicts and he convinces us of sin. He doesn't let us get by with attitudes. If you can, something go on, you can go on and justify that. You always know that when the Holy Spirit's trying to deal with you because you start trying to justify to everybody else around you why it was okay. It was okay. They deserved that. Well, aren't you glad that God didn't give us what we deserved? But he gave us what he delighted in. Mercy. Mercy. It's what he delights in. All right. Let's pick it up with this. 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, capitalized, meaning Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ, all of them are interchangeable. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The word liberty is translated unrestrained or unchained. And he's put it in the context as one being brought out from under the old law as a slave, and he's now brought into liberty, meaning one who is now freeborn, and he's now a son. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a a sense of being unrestrained. The liberty of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, we all with unveiled face, beholding, taking hold of, whatever you hold on to, you become beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. So he's not wanting us to see our image or image of something else, But the image he's talking about, beholding the glory of the Lord. So where the spirit of the Lord is, and this is in context, there is liberty and the liberty is given so that we're unchained from seeing our own stuff or own how bad we are or something through another lens, but looking right into this mirror and he's telling us what we should be seeing. It's right there in front of you. This, and beholding, looking into this glass, unveiled, into the mirror, the glory of the Lord. So he's saying what he's looking at is the glory of the Lord. Here's the kick. And we're being transformed, metamorphosis, from one thing to another. Transformed into the same image. What was the image? The glory of the Lord. Transform into the same image from glory to glory, not just what you saw at one moment, as good as it was 20, 30 years ago or 10 minutes ago, but there's always continually bringing us into an experience, encounter, unveiling of himself. Never settle what was last year's bread. Don't settle for what was just revealed, you know, years ago and say, well, I'm standing on my blessed assurance. We'll step up and not because there's a lot more blessed assurance, even more to come. When our minds get closed off as to the 
moving from glory to glory, then we settle and we no longer look through, through the lens of the glory of the Lord, but we start looking through our opinions, our ideas, and how we think things should be. I was just talking to someone, they live out of state somewhere else, and it's, uh, they're in ministry, and they just can never get happy about anything. Not happy with their church, not happy with God, not happy with their, their spouse, not happy with their children, not happy with anything. And so they were asking me, now tell me, why am I not happy with anything? I said, because you're looking at through your idealistic view. You're looking at what it should be based upon you've created in your own mind and your imagination, your image. So therefore you have trouble tolerating or accepting other people not based on what the Word of God says, but based on what you said, this is a perfect mate, this is a perfect church, this is a perfect life, this is perfect children. But you never look at your imperfection self. It's because when we set up an idealistic environment saying it has to be measured through my lens or by my standard, then it always fails and I can always find reason to not accept it. I can always find reason saying, you know, it's not my standard, it's not my way, so therefore I reject it. Jesus came into the, and a, a whole group of people that had a lot of issues. Not only a nation, an environment, his disciples had a lot of issues. Jesus didn't choose them because of their perfection. He, he chose them because God said these are them. And the beginning was transformation from glory to glory. So part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to leave us where we are, but he says, I have this picture of the glory of the Lord. This is the Holy Spirit. I'm paraphrasing, if you will. And he said, I've been sent by Jesus, the Word of God, to transform, do whatever is necessary to shape you so that you end up operating in the glory of the Lord. Not in the image of a culture, not in the image of a spouse, not in the image of society, but in the glory of the Lord. Well, that's still kind of really vague and out there. But when you realize the glory of the Lord, and we'll get there in just a moment, is actually the manifestation of the Word of God made known through Jesus. So the Holy Spirit says, I want to transform you in such a way that the Word of God is not something you just read at bedtime and, or you hear once a week in church. The glory of the Lord is Him, the Word of God inside of you that is manifesting and openly expressing, openly explaining, openly declaring who Jesus is. And it continually goes from glory to glory to glory to glory. I read through some scripture and I thought, man, I read that times I had it read to me as a kid and then all of a sudden it'll jump out like I didn't I didn't see that there before when did they add that I wasn't prepared and ready to see that part of the image of who he is I was just seeing Jesus as the one who would pay the bills I was just seeing Jesus that we could go and fish and get money for taxes I was just seeing Jesus when I got sick I never saw him as this lover or as the expression or the one who would literally say, can we just sit and me just pour into you? If I only see him as one who comes to do what I want him to do, then I am a one-sided lover. I'm a one-sided relationship and I only want you when I want you. 
the Holy Spirit came to reveal that part of Jesus that I would be that I would could come and fall in love with and continually no matter if I had a problem someone said well you know God put sickness on you so the for the glory of the Lord that's not true that's not true at all if that was true then never get healed because the moment you get healed you just lost the glory in other words, he said, it happened, but because it happened, I, I want to show up, show up, manifest myself. I didn't create the problem so I could solve it, but I'm here when they happen. I recognize that. No. So when I understand that the Holy Spirit is there inside of us to bring us to a place of what God says, the glory of the Lord. The weightiness of the fullness of Jesus on our life. That's the word kavod, glory. We're carriers of the weightiness of Jesus. I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit saying, I want to give you a picture of what it means to carry Jesus on the inside in such a way that he comes, leaks to the outside, and people all around you recognize you've been with him that you become a carrier of such a glory of God that it doesn't have to be filtered by an opinion, an attitude, copping an attitude, justifying an attitude, but Jesus is the weighty one inside of us, carrying the glory of the Lord manifested with him. All right, so that's what I was to look at. If he's inside and, and Jesus said, I'm send, sending him to you, that he is going to bring you in to the glory of the Lord, whatever it looks like now, is going to continually grow and expand in such a way that you could just be walking through the halls of a store, walking through the hospital, and people are getting healed, delivered, set free. Is that possible? Have I seen it? No, not fully. But is it possible? Yes. Just because I haven't fully seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But I know the Holy Spirit exists and he said, I want to give you a picture of what it looks like. And I've seen by the Spirit, when I was a young boy, I was, I was doing that walking through the halls of the hospital, not praying for people, but just walking through the halls, my hands extending, worshiping the Lord, and he shows up and shows out. Hallelujah. To carry the glory of the Lord... To carry the glory of the Lord. I want to wait till I have everybody's attention. To carry the glory of the Lord is what the Holy Spirit is saying. I am inside of you to shove back everything that resists Jesus coming in fullness there. All right. Here it is. All right. Now we can take off. Psalms 103. Shared it last week. He's talking about the angels, how that the angels are held to respond to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I mean, to the to ministry of the Word. I love these verses of Scripture. Verse 20, bless the Lord, you as angels, to command as angels. Angels, you bless the Lord who excel in strength. So some believe there is a level of angelic authority that you excel in strength, certainly beyond us, who do his word, 
who's held and bound to do his word, they're created beings, heeding the voice of his word, his voice moves, Psalms 29, the voice of the Lord moves upon the water, the voice of the Lord causes the hinds to calve, the voice of the Lord shatters. So the voice of the Lord does something. The word of God has a voice. And the voice is inside of us, and he's wanting our attention to pay attention to the Holy Spirit and he's saying, this is the voice of his word. His word has a voice, not just when you read it, but his word, word is shouting out to you. I said last week that we know that Jesus dwells within us and Jesus is the healer. We're not the healer, but he does tell us, lay hands on the sick and you heal them. You heal them. It didn't mean that we had to be the one to have the power, but you have to have the will to allow him to do something through you. So when he's saying, if Jesus the healer is inside of us, then that means I'm not asking for healing to come down. That was an Old Testament. But if I believe that Psalm 68, which is an Old Testament verse, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. You can fill in the blank. What is an enemy to you? Sickness and disease is an enemy because he nailed it to the cross. So by that we're saying, I need the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me, speaking to me, to arouse faith inside of me so that the Holy Spirit of the Word of God can move in concert with what he's already said. He sent his Word and it healed them. He sent his Word, Jesus the Word, sent from the very beginning of time, it's already here, I'm not waiting for him to come in, it's already inside of us. So when we recognize that greater is he, the Word that's inside of us, that anything outside of us, then that means everything we need is necessary in life and liberty and, you know, to, to deal with this life is already inside of us. Every solution is inside of us. When I look to someone else, and I'm all for counseling, I'm all for getting prayer, but when I look to someone else to get an opinion, and I haven't gone to him, first of all, and saw what he thought about it, what I'm doing is valuing everybody else's thought and their exegesis and what they think instead of coming to him first. The Word made manifest. John 1:14, and the Word became flesh, speaking of Jesus, dwelled among us, and we beheld the glory. What was the glory? Jesus, the Word, made manifest. We beheld his glory. There is the glory of the Word. There is the glory of the Spirit of God. There's the glory when it's, when it's manifested openly. There's the doxa glory. When you look at the sun, moon, and stars in the creation, it's a beauty that looks there. Then there's the, the glory that just speaks of, you know, of, of the environment. Like this morning, we worshiping the Lord. It was Shekinah. It was an environment where Isaiah 6 talks about. Isaiah was in that temple. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. That is Shekinah or Shekinah if you're really correct. But then there's the weightiness of the glory of God that overwhelms us, that overpowers us so much so that it's beyond environment, beyond having to see something with my natural eyes, it is now up on us and in us. And that's the glory that he's talking about where the spirit of the Lord is allowed liberty. The original said where the spirit is allowed to be Lord, there is unrestrained, taking the chains off, the liberty to not be a slave, but the liberty to come into a sonship that you would carry the weightiness of who he is. 
It's not hard to be broken in the presence of God when his weightiness comes on us. It's pretty hard to be haughty and prideful when the weightiness of who he is comes upon us. Now, here's one way I believe that we'll get there. Matthew, the eighth, eighth chapter, right at the end of the message last week, got into this. This is a story of the centurion came to Jesus and said, my servant is home sick, tormented, he used the word. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. The centurion immediately understood authority and he said, speak the word only. And I tell you that that word only has been shouting at me for two weeks. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. So what do most of us do? We say, I know your word says, but I need to tell you all the circumstances that go along with that. I need to tell you what the doctor's been saying. I've been telling it, need to tell you what everybody else is thinking. And I think it's great to have prayer requests. I think it's great to have all that. But when we get caught up into the, the addendums and the appendages, then we forget the word. It is the word that healed them not the expert opinions that healed them. The anointing breaks the yoke, not even the gifting. So the anointing is that, that empowerment of the Lord that's, that's released, that breaks the yoke. One can have a gift of God. Well, I carry the gift, I have the gift. Well, I haven't seen the anointing breaks the yoke. It's when you allow something to flow through that and not just setting on the gift, but allowing the gift simply to be the pipeline that the anointing flows through and that breaks the yoke. The devils don't care if you have a gift as long as you keep it wrapped up. As long as you keep it under shutters, as long as you, you keep it under fear, fear of being wrong, the fear of what people think, the fear of doing this, the fear of not being understood. But when you unveil that and it becomes the word manifested, then literally game over. Yoke, yokes are broken. Now when he says to the centurion, I will come and heal, and the centurion explains to him, I understand authority. I understand how authority works. I have authority over 100 men, and I tell him to go, and he comes and goes and does what I want him to do. He said, speak the word only. You're not worthy to come under my roof or come under my, my covering, that's what he's saying. And Jesus says, go your servant's healed. That has so been stirred in my heart and I've heard the Holy Spirit for two weeks now say to me, confine yourself to my word and you'll see, you'll see the kingdom of God begin to be manifested. I cannot respond to what you think. I will not respond to you explaining to God how things are. I think that's fine at times. We just need to vent, need to pray God. God, I think this is terrible. I think this is ripped off. I think this doesn't work that way. I'm just appalled by this. But then he said, all right, ready? When you are ready for action, speak the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart so I wouldn't sin against you. But a lot of times in prayer and communication with the Lord, and we say, God, would you heal them because you know how good they are and we need them. And, and this is, Lord, you know, our, our covenant with you. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Speak the covenant. Because we find at times that God healed people that weren't even believers. That'll just throw you off right there. So it's the goodness of God 
not the goodness of the person. So when he tried to remind God how good they are, what it's saying is, my goodness compared to Jesus' goodness, and so you des- we deserve this. We're entitled to this. So when we speak the word only, it becomes like an arrow shot right at the issue and the target. I was in California many year- a few years ago as a men's group. I was invited to go. And a guy got up. Larry Titus was officiating. He said, this man has seen more cancer People heal from cancer than any documented person. They have to take his word for it. I want to hear what this guy is saying, his revelation on that. And he goes back to Genesis, very simple, and he said, and the Lord put enmity, the word literally is a hatred, a line of hatred between the serpent and the woman. He said, I remember the day when the Lord gave me a hatred of cancer. He said, I can't describe it. I can't tell you how I feel. It, it, was, it was more than an enemy. It was a hatred for the, the afflictions that I saw happening in my family. And it was no longer about what the doctor's diagnosis was. It became a hatred of this invasion in my life and invasion of my family. So he says, I hold, the, I hold talking about circumstances and issues and, and all of the things we see when people are talking about sickness and disease. He said, I held it to one thing, and that was about Jesus. Jesus nailed cancer to the cross. Therefore, cancer, you have no dominion. Cancer, you're destroyed. Cancer, you're uprooted. No plant with my father's planted will be plant uprooted. So he spoke the word only. It's word only. And he said, sometimes I, people try to say, now hang on a second. I need to tell you the latest diagnosis. And I understand. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody doing that. We, we love people and just need to tell their story. But when you come into an agreement with the word of God that can't be altered, it is settled in heaven forever. Make that application to whatever else that you're looking in life you needed to see change. Speak the word only because Jesus recognized, wow, I haven't seen anybody operate like this in Israel. Jesus immediately connects the word with authority. Now, if you've been hanging around many charismatic churches, you probably have heard messages about the authority of the word, the authority of the believer. But there's something different about the authority of the word in the authority of the believer that has to get so deep inside of us, so much so that it becomes a lifestyle. Let me explain it like this. You have a light switch in your house. You have the authority to turn that switch on. It doesn't come on by itself unless you need deliverance in your house. You, by an act of your will, you flip the switch. You have the authority and the right to do that with an expectation, somehow or another, power comes through to your house from the pole, transformer into your house, and voila, you got light. That's an act of your own will authority. But somewhere else, there is a generator that's operating 
in such a way that's making electricity to come into your house, but it doesn't do anything until you with authority flip the switch and allow it to be manifested. In the same way that the authority is an act of our own will. I've prayed for people who say, well, God can do whatever he wants to do. That's true. But he wants you to flip the switch and say, at your word, at your word, as Mary said, I've never been with a man. I don't know how what you're saying to me will even happen. I don't even know, have to understand how that happens. I don't know the dynamics of that. All I know is at your word, let it be unto me according to your word. There was an agreement with the word sent. She flipped the switch and something changed in her life to where the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, inseminated with the word of God, the will of God, and she's having a son without a man being present. In the same way in the spirit that we're that close to seeing a transformation, he's wanting us to carry the glory of God in such a way that it's not being worked up mentally, but I carry inside, you carry inside the glory of the Lord that immediately I choose to believe God right now. I choose this day. I choose this day for a transformation. I choose right now transformation so much so that I'm looking into an image. I'm not looking into that tired, worn out person that's had faults and failures and, and issues and, and failures and, and just come to the end of myself and just accept the way it is and then whined, whined everybody else because it's not happened. He said, look into that image. What does the glory of God, the word of God look like to you? Wow. It takes the Holy Spirit saying, let me reveal to you his desire and his heart for you. That's the hardest thing to get into our minds, the separating soul and spirit, what I think and what he says. And then once you flip that switch, there may be a delay. There may be a time delay. There may be something that's saying, I am having to get a greater capacity to carry this, this level of glory. I may not be ready to walk down the halls of the hospitals. I don't know what that would do to me. I don't know if I could stand that. But it's the image that I see. And he's preparing me, building me up, spiritual muscles, whatever that it looks like. I've given myself over to the Holy Spirit. You have too. For this capacity for the glory of God to come upon us. I just don't want to think more theology and get more in my head when my spirit is saying, what, what? I've already born by the spirit inside. What is born of the spirit is spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever I yield to the most becomes what I, what I uh, look to for power. I empower it. Speaking the word only means I don't have a plan B. Well, if, if God doesn't do that, I can always do this. Had someone in another state sent me an email. I need $1,500. You guys enjoy watch, looking at my emails somehow. I need $1,500. Read your book on power of blessing and the Lord said you can help. <laughs> and I said to them, I'm not going to cheat you out of having an encounter with the Lord. <laughs> And then everybody would know, Carrie did it. When you, when you begin to 
share and give to someone else. Said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Don't go shout around, look what I did. Look how big I was. Look how much I did. Look, I saved the day. I'm fine with testimonies. But it needs to be a supernatural thing and not a natural thing. So I said to them, you've read the book? Yeah, yeah, I've read it several times, teach on it all the time. I said, when you would know then that when you bless the Lord, his name is Jehovah Yare, Jireh, then when you bless him, he manifests himself what you're blessing. She said, I've got to have it right now. In other words, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for God to transform me. I've got to have it now. Sent me an email back the next day and my mother sent me the money. Missed the point. In other words, speak the word only. And if I don't, doesn't work, I've got plan B. I've got another plan. I've got another option. I have something else to work out. But to carry this weight of glory comes down to point when I flip the switch, I don't have any other plans in mind except for you showing up, Father, and revealing yourself in a mighty, powerful way that reveals your greatness and your power. Otherwise, I haven't learned to carry the weightiness of your glory. I've just learned how to go get it from somewhere else. And I'm all for helping people. Not being calloused with that. But sometimes we enable people when we're saying, you've got a source and you have a resource. There's a God in heaven. I think we ought to get help when we get it. But I believe, first of all, is that I'm going to speak the word of the Lord. And then if he speaks to me, I have the re- what I need to do, call somebody, then I've done it. But I'm first, foremost, protos, chief passion, first, going to talk to you about it. Second right. Corinthians, or excuse me, John 3, 16, we just, we know, we know this. God so loved the world that he gave, which son? The only. Not a backup, not an angel. And always create another. If it goes bad, get another. Created the first Adam. He failed. I don't have a backup plan. I'm sending myself, part of myself, the Spirit of God, through my Son, the only, the only plan. And got him reconciling the world back to God. When we only speak the word, Jesus, John 1, 14, the word was with God, the word was his God, and speaking of Jesus is the word. So God so loved, I sent my only word. And what happened? I sent my word, and everyone that believes on him, the word shall be saved, delivered set free, healed, believe in the word. I just need the Holy Spirit to convince me concerning the word. He has already placed inside of us a reservoir of word. He just says, speak that, share that. Angels even have to do that or held to that. All right, look with me. In Mark, the fifth chapter, Jesus is in the synagogue. And the leader of the synagogue gets word that his daughter is dead. And Jesus said, I'll go and raise her up. 
he comes into the house, he tells everybody to stay outside, and he tells everybody around and says, she's sleeping. They ridiculed him. Because Jesus sees death differently than we see death. He sees circumstances differently than we see them. We count the circumstances, that's the way it is, this is how it is, and this is what everybody thinks about it, so I guess that's the way it is. He says she's sleeping. They were willing to bury her because they saw it from their perspective instead of raising her up from his perspective. That'll preach. Our perspective causes us reactions. Let's bury them. Jesus walks in, has to put everybody out of the house because they're anti-word, if you will, anti of what's happening. And he says to her, Talitha Kuma, in other words, rise up. She gets up and says to the rest of them, don't tell anybody. Well, everybody out there knew she's dead. She's waking up. She's walking out there. But this is what he said. Do not be afraid, only believe. Only believe. In spite of what everybody said, your experience with death and what has ever had in the past, know it's different this time. Only believe. Our history and our experience so many times aborts the word of God. I've been there and done that. Well, maybe it's time for a change. That always happens to me. Well, Maybe it's time for a change. My experience has, when that starts happening, this will next happen. Maybe it's time to see that cut off. Because when we recognize that he's present to do whatever his word says he can do, confine ourselves to the word. I'm just going to hear Diane praying this morning. Lord, you said your word. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver out of them all. So therefore, I will not take afflictions. I'm not going to accept them. You delivered out of them all. So less than that, this is my paraphrase, less than that, I would not be faithful and just to your word. That's my, my word, paraphrase to it. So I can give in to the afflictions, or I can give in to the righteousness Good. of God. Yes. Whatever I believe into, I empower. Don't be afraid. Only, only believe. Now, Second Corinthians 5. Here's the kicker. I got time to kick. If you all know what kicker means, it's, I'm sure it's a Hebrew word somewhere. Not really, just kidding, in case somebody's going out and looking it up. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the anointed one, Christos, he is a new creation, where it is actually species. All things have passed away. Behold, take hold of, all things have become new. It's not new in the sense that never been done before. It means to go back to the original pattern before the fall verse 18 now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ big word 
was reconciled, recon- not only reconsidered, but re-brought, re-brought back, back to the original pattern, restored back to the original pattern. God hasn't changed his mind. Whoops, I made a mistake. I'll just, I'll just work with what I got. The Holy Spirit is held to the original pattern. Where Adam fell, Jesus, the second Adam, overcame. And the glory of the Lord we're looking at is not the first Adam, but the second Adam, which is the Word of God. Restoring you back to the Word of God. Restoring you back to the second Adam before there was a fall. Before the snake got involved. Look at this. He's reconciled to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry or servitude, serving to help restore back to the original pattern and place. He said, I have put inside of the word of God itself to restore back to the original. So if you planted a seed, the word potency means that its potential is not based on what will only be, but based on what it was designed to be, its DNA. The Word of God is designed that inside of it, it will accomplish everything that His Word said. Isaiah 55, we will not return void, but accomplish what the Lord sent. The word apostello, sent. Here it is. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed, I mean, realize when God commits something, it's committed. Committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. Man, I looked that up and I was hoping that would be rhema. And it had to be the word of reconciliation, the rhema of reconciliation, but it's not. It's the word logos. I was sitting there, oh Lord, I wish that. And he said, no, you don't understand. I said, evidently. He said, when you speak the word, logos, the said word, comes out of the graphic word, and you say it, it is said or speaking word, and wherever it goes, it changes from a logos, and when it hits the target, it becomes rhema. Diane was passing by my office, come in here, you got to hear this. There's sometimes that we say the word, and I don't feel anything on it. But all of a sudden, someone hears that and they say, oh man, that just exploded on the inside of me. Well, when it left my bow, it didn't feel that powerful. But when it struck them, it became a saying word, a said word to a saying word. And the saying word is the now word that causes everything to be transformed to that word when it is heard by the eyes and ears of the Spirit. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and give them empathy and tell them how sorry we are. Or we comfort them with these words, God doesn't heal everybody. Sorry, <laughs> wrong day, come back tomorrow, maybe we'll tomorrow. It doesn't say that at all. Believers shall lay hands on the sick, there is a transfer, and heal them. It's not about how powerful the he, the, the, the believers are, it is we are the switch, we flip the switch, I see someone there, I'm going to flip the switch, lay hands on them, and wait for the power company, wherever that is, to flow through the lines and touch them and deliver them. Healing is not of us, but of him, and something happens, he's just looking for a line to run through. 
light up. Flip the switch. The devil wants to flip our switch. Be angry. What have you got to be happy about? How's things working out for you? They did it to you, do it back to them. I mean, that's what Jesus would do, right? As you've done it to these, you've done it to me? Oh, maybe not. You flip the switch and the word comes through there. The manifestation of the word that was generated from the throne of God, the power station, and now it is no longer a word of authority. It is transformed into a word of power. Well, look at 2 Corinthians 4. Real quick. Just look left of your page. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. All of it's about the glory of God, which is God himself unveiling his power. The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. He is the one that the glory of God always looks like. If we do something and said, see my face, it's not glory. Jesus is seen, that's glory. Verse 7. But we have this treasure, glory, in earthen vessels, people, that the excellency or excelling beyond our abilities of the power may be of God and not us. We are not the power station. We're simply the line that flips the switch by our act of our own will. Through the authority of that, then the power station, the excellency of God begins to flow through believers that say, I am not him, but I am with him. Greater is he that's within me. It's choosing an act of our own will. When a person is saying, I'm not going to do that. I don't think they deserve to be blessed. I'm not going to give them that. Then what I'm saying is, I have a right to hold the switch off or I can hold it on. And whatsoever I sow, I'm also reaping. So I'm choosing to flip the switch. I'll let you guys in on a secret since we're only, only these people in the room. Everybody's watching and home around us. Put your fingers in your ear. I really don't like to prophesy that much. People say, well, this is a prophetic house. You know, it's because I didn't build it. But he also told me, if I don't submit myself to him, what he's called and his expectation, it'd be much easier to choose a different gift because it is physically exhausting. When we do a night of ministry here, you people that are up here serving, man, it is just, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So what do you do? I choose by an act of my own will to not surrender to my flesh or surrender to how I feel, but to give myself to him that is of a power station beyond me. Beyond that the excellency is not of us, but of him. And thank God that I can't remember who I prophesied to hardly and what the word was, even though they call and ask me if I would remember it and send it back to them. And who are you? What was who are I don't remember. 
Thank God, because I don't get credit for it. Jim doesn't take credit. Anyone, this team, we don't take credit for it. We're simply, by the authority and act of our own will, flip the switch and trust the Holy Spirit. Somehow or another, flows down through the pipeline and there's something comes out. Willing to be wrong, willing to mess up, willing to be misunderstood, willing to make a mess up, willing to be criticized, willing to be judged, willing to do that. But the main thing is I'm willing to submit myself unto God. That's why a lot of people don't flip the switch is because they don't want to be judged, falsely accused, and all of that. Christ in us, the ministry of reconciliation, giving us the word of reconciliation. What it is that you're looking at today to see brought back to the original pattern. If you have children that are away from God, you have the ministry of reconciliation inside of you. It doesn't mean your counsel. It doesn't mean pointing out they're disobedient all the wrong things. That's why some people don't see answers is because they're more interested about being right than righteous. You have the ministry of reconciliation. That word of reconciliation, which simply means as God was in Christ and Christ in us, you're double wrapped. You have this ministry. And so when you speak the word over them, God, it's not your will that any should perish, but all shall come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Don't add in your words to it and let them feel a little bit of hell on the process. My mother would pray that over my dad. God would just dangle him over hell and let him feel the flames of hell. I said, would you quit praying that? Because we're all having to pay the price for when you pray that prayer. He was in a bad mood. Nobody, we didn't know about blessing back then. We sure used it. So he's saying that when we're saying the ministry of reconciliation, I'm speaking exactly what God said in the very beginning before the fall. This is the image. This is how I wanted man to be. This is how they'll operate. This is the glory of God. Believe for your children to operate and live and expand and see the glory of God upon them. When you, if you measure how much time you was telling God all the bad stuff they were doing and how much time you just simply with the word of reconciliation and see which weighs out the most. That's why you need to know about the power of blessing because it is confined to the word of God. Declaring what should be. Hebrews the third chapter and I'm done. Here's how we can allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into that place of speaking the word. Hebrews, the third chapter, the writer of Hebrews is quoting from the Old Testament. Therefore, starting in verse seven, therefore as the Holy Spirit says, notice the Holy Spirit saying this. Holy Spirit knows how to quote from the Old Testament too, by the way. If you don't know, he was there. Holy men of old spoke as the Spirit of God. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, he's talking to Israel, in the day of trial in the wilderness. In other words, you were tested there. Where your fathers tested me, this is God speaking to them, and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. 
Big word right there. So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Two things happens there. They always go astray in their heart. The word astray there means wandering off. Not W-O-N-D-E-R, W-A-N-D-E-R. Their minds are just wandering off. Just unfocused. How many of you, when you come in here and you get to worship, next thing is your mind wanders off and you pick up your phone and wonder, what's the latest news? Put that thing somewhere. <laughs> Don't wander off. He said, what angered God, what they wandered, their minds wandered off of what God had said to them. And then he, he says the rest of it, therefore, they didn't enter my rest. The word rest there has three levels of it. Number one, it comes from the word anapazes, which sounds like, you know, pause. But it literally means complete or incomplete. They did not enter my completion or rest. When Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. It is the word perfection or perfect. It is teleos. It is finished. It is perfected. So he's talking about resting. It means come in your own mind to a point is it's completed. You don't have to do anything more except speak his word only. Be focused. Don't let your mind wander off to plan B. What if this doesn't work? If that doesn't work, I can always do this. I can always do something. I'm always a fixer. And saying, Lord, it's either you or nothing. And I choose you. Then he goes into saying later on in, in the fourth chapter, because it talks about rest a number of times here. Pick it up in, in verse 8. If Joshua had given them rest going into the promised land, then he would not have afterward spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest, completion of what God said, the promises of God. There remains a completion, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. There in Genesis 2. Ceasing and worrying about it is not rest. Ceasing from your worry. Ceasing from what, what might happen. Ceasing from all the possibilities of failure and problematic issues. He's saying... If we don't cease from that labor, what I'm saying is I don't trust the word. The scripture says, and a guy told me this years ago, and I appreciate it helped me so much because I dreaded Mondays. Because I relived everything I preached. I should have said it like this. Could have made this better. Should have said that more. And I relived it. And he said, why are you doing that? You can't undo what you said. So why even live it? Go back and live it. He said in the Bible, he quotes this verse of scripture, a man sowed seed, he went to bed, how it grew, he did not know. You've already sowed it, how it grows, you don't have to worry about it because the seed belongs to the Lord. He gives seed to the sower. You sowed it, forget it. Let it do what it's called to do. <laughs> Quit going out and digging it up and seeing if it sprouted anything. Remember in school, you'd put that little bean in there and a little glass jar and every day you want to look at that. Oh, I hadn't done anything. Then one day, it explodes. 
So I say that when we, we enter the place of rest, it takes out the ifs, ands, and buts about God. Diana, we're going over last night. She has a, a prayer journal that we list things to pray about, check things off. And we were rejoicing over two big answers to prayer that we had been praying and speaking the word over for a good long time. And one of these persons sends me a text and says, all day long I've been praying in the spirit and worshiping the Lord. And they wouldn't have done that in years. You never know when that word will sprout and roots pop up. He just said, don't go dig it up and dig on people and harangue them and, and hassle them to see if something's happening. Trust the word. Cease from your labor. Cease from you trying to give more impact than the word can have. Trust the Holy Spirit. And then go to sleep. There's a physical rest that the body needs to recuperate. Our cell, cellular level is turned over. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of times our cells turn over when we have sleep. But if you're tossing and turning, God help me then your body can't recuperate like it's called it. So there is a physical rest. There is an emotional rest. That emotional rest is, means I am shaking off stuff that I cannot change, do anything about, and sit there and contemplating in my mind because the more I rehearse it and replay those old tapes, the more injustice that I see. And you simply say, Lord, I come to the point Psalms 23, he restores my soul. The same word there, restore means he brings my mind back to the point before I was carrying all this garbage. Leave it with me and let's have a conversation about us. How much I love you. How much I care for you. And at the end of the world, at the end of the age, who cares if someone likes you or doesn't like you? That's between God and them. He comes right down to the point of saying, I'm going to surrender my soul, mind, will, and intellect to you. And then the third level of rest is the rest of the spirit. It is, is exactly what I've been talking about. I've declared the word of the Lord. Here's the word of God. And now I'm sending it. Have you ever sent a letter this back, well, even an email, and you wish you could have went and got it back? Man, it's already, shoo, it's gone. You can hit that delete button all you want to. It's not deleted on the other end. You put that stamp on that letter in the old days, and you put an egg grab it, and you couldn't go with it, get it out of the post box you want. It is sent. There is a spiritual rest comes to your spirit saying, he sent his word and he's not going to take it back. So, Father, we praise you and give you thanks, O oh God, that you've given to us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That our warfare is not in flesh and blood, wrangling in our minds, trying to think and figure it out. But we submit all things that we've prayed, believed, asked for, 
and you've given us the ministry of reconciliation as a way to flip the switch and say it is done. So today I pray, God, that you would set in motion inside the heart of every person, it is done, it is done. You're not coming back to be crucified again. It's done. It's a done thing. It's a done deal. It is over and done with. I'll not take it back, try to figure it out, dig it up, and rethink it. Quit playing those old tapes. Should have been, might have been, could have done. Doesn't, doesn't change. But I submit all things to you, Lord. The author and the finisher of my faith. Stand with me, please. I just really sense strongly right now that there is some divine, I mean divine, meaning God himself wants to come in, reprogram, restore, just wash clean. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a way when those old tapes start being replaying again. The devil brings out the old photo albums. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Boy, that was a good old days, wasn't it? The best is yet to come. <laughs> I'm not going to live back there as good as it was. From glory to glory, not failure to failure. Just allow the Holy Spirit to reprogram our thinking. He said, all I need you to do is you have the authority, your hands on the switch. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring the power. And when the two connect, the Word of God explodes and something transforms. Healing is not that difficult. In fact, it's not difficult at all for us. It's the wrangling in the mind. Plan B, double-mindedness. Did God really say? Battling so much so of the times when you didn't see it happen. Yet the Word of God is always moving forward. And He says, now it's all changing. A new day with a new heart written upon a new covenant written with the tablets of our heart. So Father, I just ask you to bring healing into every person's spirit, soul, and body. Healing is the children's bread. And Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. So we know he said, healing that's broken for you, my body, here, I give it to you. He's giving to you right now healing in the deepest part of your spirit. When the enemy comes in, allow the Spirit of God to bring the flood of the Word of God back. God said, God is, He's faithful, He's loving, He's merciful. If you've got to write out a few weapons, declarations to live on, it says, I will not allow myself to go back to that dark hole and allow the devil to discredit what Jesus did. So I pronounce healing. The deepest part of your soul, 
Your mind, will, and intellect. Your soul is that part that collects offenses, stores them, holds them. Blackmails you. Blackmails others. Holds it against them. And the Lord is saying to you today, I'm emptying out your bin. Allow me to delete it. Allow me to get rid of the trash, carrying it out so that you can't go back to that place ever again. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. We can't live off of what happened, experiential, good, bad, or indifferent to us before. I'm not even going to compare one to the other. The Bible says that when I grieve the Holy Spirit, I don't allow him to be the Holy Spirit. He uses the word there in the original means a jilted lover. I don't go back and tell the Holy Spirit, yeah, the last lover I had, this is the way it did. I'm not going to do that. I'm saying, you're the lover of my soul, Jesus. Jesus, you're the lover of my soul. Well, someone hurt me, a leader did this, a leader did that. Jesus, you're the lover of my soul. Jesus, there's just something about that name. No other name in heaven and earth was, that was given by men was given where man, man could be saved. I just release a wave throughout this room by an act of your own will, just let it go as if a hot air balloon was just releasing and that's all it is, hot air. I choose not to go revisit it. I choose not to rewound myself and anybody else with it, about it. I choose to allow you to be the Lord of my thoughts and the Lord of hosts. So where the spirit of the Lord is, I'm allowing to be Lord. I unchain myself from that moment in time and I choose liberty. I give up all the buts. I give up the plan B's. I give up all of the control that I could blackmail. The enemy could blackmail us, use it against us. I let go of all of it. I give up all the excuses that tell God I would have been great except it had it been for so-and-so or that so-and-so. I give that up. I release that. I release blame. Father, in Jesus' name, I have ministry team come. Just the weightiness of the presence of God.